right. Wait, know. John also posted this. <laughs> Wait, John just scraped this from a CSS of joke feeds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> oh. I don't have to write anything myself. That's right. Hey, we're live. All right. All right. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 241, unlike what I said last week when I said 239. Apparently, we got off by a number a couple of weeks ago. So 241 is the correct number this week. Not that anyone keeps track. Your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. We do read all Super Chats on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my OnlyFans con. I mean, exclusive access to my Discord <laughs> channel, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome community that hangs out over there. I was going to say, you can't take into my, that, that's my territory, Jeff. You can't enter that field yet. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, didn't, didn't mean to... You know, cross Step the streams. Yeah, you can't do that. We don't cross streams here. <laughs> don't cross streams. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, first and foremost, uh, John, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, just uh, helping family out right now. They're, they're going through some uh, just changes in their lives and, and having to help uh, other family members. So we're, we're babysitting the kids a lot. So it just yep. you know, gets tiring. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's always just like, all right, uh, cooking for more people now and got to make sure to get back from work and just, just stuff like that, you know. Yep. And then with the new weather, it's harder to put the kid to sleep. You know, the sun's not going down as fast. It's it's his bedtime at 830 and it's still bright outside. And he's like, why do I have to go to bed? Well, you have to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Little bit's been trying that lately, but the sun is still up. I can't see the stars while well, the sun gets to stay up late in the summer. Well, why can't I stay up late? stuff like that yeah. yeah it's like but we still play when the sun's up like uh, yep. yeah i know but <laughs> all right <coughs> excuse me uh i do have a dump button tonight because uh, as you can tell i'm a little bit under the weather but i'm trying my best to get through it uh this is the most i've talked all day anyway <laughs> Uh, we do have one big, big announcement, uh, for the channel, uh, mainly around this show as yep. next week we will be changing time slots. What? what? Uh, Talking Heads has pretty much always been at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, however, that puts Talking Heads at a significant disadvantage because who the hell is awake then? Uh, it's not a great time slot. It's never been a great time slot. Uh, it was just kind of the one that worked. And uh, we got talking about it, and I was tired of missing all the East Coast people because, well, it's 11 o'clock over there already. Uh, we will be moving back two hours to 6 p.m. Pacific time, starting on July 6th. That is next Wednesday. Right. So... 
Uh, tell your friends, tell your, your co-workers, tell everyone you know. Uh, start watching. Yeah, so now you can have your dinner and watch Craft Computing at the same time. Yep. Unfortunately, can... that means the Australians won't quite be off work yet, I don't think. Like, it, it cuts into their their afternoon, yeah. but, but hopefully we'll, you know, kind of... Sorry, UK, it's even earlier in the morning for you guys, but like I, I, I can only do so much. Like I, I can't stream at 11 a.m. It just doesn't work. So, but yeah, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, is going to be the new start time for Talking Heads starting next Wednesday, July 6th. So mark it so down. Keep that, yeah, keep that in mind. We'll probably keep shouting out, that out on all of our social media accounts. So if you follow yep. one of us, you'll probably at least hear it again. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, all right. Uh, third thing, and probably the most important, uh, what do we got on tap tonight? That's a good point. So, so, so Lord and Baron yeah. and... Yes, uh, ordained minister. Or, or, yeah. Ordained yeah. <laughs> by Miller Lite. <laughs> yeah, how many other titles do you, do you have strung I need out? to get more, I know. Lord Baron Hops and Brews. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, first and that... foremost, thank you for blessing us with your presence tonight. <laughs> May the hops be with you <laughs> and also with you. Also with um, you. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to be uh, having Greater Good, uh, their Citra, a Belgian inspired hazy IPA. Hmm. So it's a Belgian yeast Citra hazy IPA. Uh, they call it just an, a regular IPA, but it's nine percent. So I would think that classifies a double. Nice, yeah. Okay, very what cool. Um, I'm not sure which one I want to go with first. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to go hazy first. Those usually go better a little bit colder. Uh, so I've got a very odd named beer and john see if you can help me out with this one uh this is from ex novo so portland oregon i believe they also brewed down in uh new mexico but this one is from the portland brewery um this one is the pre-prohibition hazy what pre-prohibition hazy it doesn't make any sense i know <laughs> so it is a hazy ipa uh, it's Citra and Nectarone hops. So I don't know if the Nectarone possibly I, has something to do with it being pre- I was going to say, Citra hops is not pre- No, I mean, maybe, those are maybe very a, recent. Uh, a yeast strain that they're using? Yeah, um, there's no description on this beer. 6.7% uh, and a Surgeon General's warning. That's all we got. So I haven't looked this up at all, but... Pre-prohibition hazy. Uh, there's there's not much of a description anywhere actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Big Spoon chiming in first for uh, ninety nine cents with a goat, I believe that was. If I scroll back up here, oh no, it's a uh, no, it's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. All right, I'm not the greatest of all time. I'm just fancy. Uh, and then giving SPX Labs a shout out, yo, for two bucks. Uh, and also, hello, SPX Labs. He said he wasn't going to make it, but uh, here he is, staying up till the wee hours of the morning. Or the late hours of, you know, it's not last call yet, but. <laughs> but hey, great to see you. 
Well, I don't care what they call that. That is tasty. Oh my gosh. I, I, I might have to uh, pick one of those up. That's just an interesting sounding beer. Yeah. Um, it's, it is not completely opaque. Uh, there's, there's definitely some light shining through it. Um, oh, that's delicious. Oh, wow. It reminds me very much of a shandy. Um, it's it's very, very light, little bit of fruitiness to it. Um, little citrusy. Uh, think like a mandarin orange. It's mm. kind of like that, that type of like really deep, sweet citrus or blood orange or something like that. Uh, that is good. I really like that. <laughs> Novella Hub says John will be drinking holy water tonight. <laughs> I should get some of that. That would be good. Can I bless this beer now? Technically, I, I believe okay. you could. All, all of my beverages could be holy. Yeah, I mean, here's the downside though: you're blessing them on the behest of Coors Light, Miller, but yeah, or Miller Light, yeah, because that's who you're ordained through. So. You're a represent. So, you're a representative of the Church of Miller Light. Do you really <laughs> want to go around blessing your beers? <laughs> Could I curse other people's beers then? Ooh, be like I curse Miller Light upon you. Uh, you probably could. I I hope your IPA tastes as delicious as a Miller Light. I <laughs> beseech thee. Yeah. All right, couple of beer shout-outs, and we will jump into the show here. Uh, right. We did get one more super chat from Harley. Oh, um, cool. And he's having uh, $5, so thank you. Cheers there. Thank he's you. having a Adventurous Warrior Double IPA. By Adventurous so, Brewing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay, let me scroll back up. Uh, William, I believe, was the first one that checked in. Uh, he's got an Urban Roots Brewing Perpetual Journey Saison, 7%. Uh, let's see. Cheers. I saw, I've got a one liter of Mountain Dew. That's from Jeremy. <laughs> uh, Michael says mango nectar and Brazilian rum. Ooh. You know, nectar is a very underrated mixer. Uh, like, like fruit nectars that you get, uh, from the grocery store and whatnot. Uh, I use them as bases for a lot of smoothies. Uh, they're fantastic for that, but for like rum drinks, I think they're very underutilized. Just my two cents. Uh, I stole them from uh, Jay. Uh, yeah, we got Novella Hubs having a Surly Brewing Neon Pixel Hazy IPA, 7.2%. Nice. Uh, yep. Let's see. I saw something else. Uh, oh, Century UK. It's 4 a.m. here in the UK with my vending machine hot chocolate. You know, I lived off vending machine coffee and hot chocolate for years <laughs> in, <laughs> in college and and everything else. Um, yeah. I think I'll uh, see. Jason is having a Deschutes Hazetron Imperial uh, IPA. I did a review on that one. Nice. Okay. I, I actually have not had that one yet. How was it? Yeah. It's It's got real. just we were talking about uh, can art. It's got really cool retro 80s can art. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, I, I really dug the can art. Ooh, I was going to make that the last one, but uh, I'm going to do one more shout out. Will has a Moscow mule with homemade ginger syrup and real lemon juice. Ooh. That man knows how to roll. Good stuff. Um, I've actually never made my own ginger syrup. It's something that I've wanted to do, like, you know, condense it down. And I, I think that could be a lot of fun. Might have to uh, just bite the bullet and do that. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Starting with uh, Doom checks one more <laughs> off the bucket list. Uh, there's one more device that you can now play Doom on. And it's technically a device that has played Doom before, just not like this. Uh, so what started as a PC game and has been ported to everything has made a glorious return to a PC, but playing off your motherboard's BIOS chip. <laughs> Let me say that again. Doom is now playable off of your motherboard's BIOS chip. Uh, so this is actually a pretty astonishing, uh, feat because BIOS chips are usually fairly small as far as storage goes. Uh, and so you've only got, um, like some early Ryzen boards were only 16 megs of, of, of BIOS storage, uh, of like total ROM yeah. storage, um, and so getting not only the framework for Doom up and running, but enough that, like, like I suppose it's possible to get, like, free DOS and, and everything inside of a 16 megabyte package. But I'm still very impressed. <laughs> I mean, it, it's become now more of a challenge for people to see what can we get Doom to run on. I mean, that's mm -hmm. been the running kind of joke going on for how many times have we talked about another thing doom's done you know or yeah. been run on um but this one's pretty funny <laughs> but they're all they end up always all become funny what was it? the last one was off of an alarm clock or no uh, it was a, a, a smart wasn't a smart lamp yeah there oh yeah no the ikea smart lamp or the smart yeah. bulb or something like that yeah something like um, that <laughs> uh the pregnancy test i believe turned out to be a hoax uh it was an yeah. mp it was a uh, black and white video that was playing on the pregnancy test. Uh, but um, there is a version of Doom that they condensed down to run inside of a Lego brick. Uh, that's been the newest <laughs> one that's been going around. Uh, hey, TechnoChim and Jeff Geerling in chat. Both giving a shout out and TechnoChim sending five bucks my way. Thank you very Ooh. much. That, uh, that pays for this pint, my good sir. Uh, and Geerling has some leftover iced tea. You know, I'll give that a woo as well. <laughs> <laughs> we got another shout out from Tech Geek too. Yes. I was just getting to that. Tech Geek oh. sends over 150 bucks. Thank you so much. Evening Gents replaced a Cisco ASA with a new Meraki firewall at work, changed the whole network layout, and managed not to break anything. Finishing up tomorrow and installing some cameras finally at my house tonight. Got an orange crush. See you both. Uh, cheers to you both. Uh, number one, congrats on a firewall rollover. Uh, those are never fun. They're never, regardless of your planning, they're never as trivial as you think they are. Uh, like I, I've done, 
dozens upon dozens of firewall rollovers from from one vendor to another vendor or one piece of software to another piece of software like it never goes smoothly uh there's always something that that's a gotcha there's always a service that you discover like why is this like a really obscure port forwarded to like one device inside my network and then you find out it's for like your tertiary alarm backup or something like that uh and there's always so many weird and obscure things inside firewalls especially the more complicated your network gets uh there's always something to miss so hopefully you actually didn't miss anything but uh double check and double check and uh and yeah gearling i shouted out spx labs earlier so uh yeah we're we're getting uh we're getting rated here i like it i know <laughs> thank you all for showing up uh let's see so yeah doom runs on everything i know it's basically if you have a device uh and you can't make it run doom you're pathetic and weak mm -hmm. You know, that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in some slightly disappointing news, I will say, uh, some now this is so far so far being reported. I have not verified this, but I thought I I thought it was at least worth making a mention. Uh Oh no, Valve has confirmed. It. Okay, sorry, I did not see that little little addendum down here. Uh, I don't know if that was in here when I originally read the article. Anyway, uh, Valve apparently is making some changes to the 256 and 512 gigabyte SKUs of the Steam Deck. Uh, before they were pretty much guaranteeing a uh, PCI Express NVMe Gen 3x4 SSD. Uh, however, some, some purchasers noticed that some devices are being shipped out with only two X drives. That is half of the allotted bandwidth. So instead of getting 3,300 megabytes per second, you're capped at less than 2000 megabytes per second. Um, now, is this really a big deal? I don't think so. Uh, here's why. Yes, Valve originally announced that the specs were for an X4 lane, for an X4 Gen 3 PCI Express NVMe drive. Uh, and I get where some people would be irritated when they said, or when they pre-ordered a device, paid full price for it, receive it, and now their NVMe drive is only half the bandwidth that Valve originally promised. Uh, however, when you consider the use case of this device, it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, and in fact, I think the only way you're going to notice is if you thoroughly, thoroughly benchmark your SSD, because I don't think it's gonna make a flying F as far as difference in game goes. The reason I say that is my Steam Deck loads games almost as quickly off a micro SD card as it does off that Gen 3x4 SSD that I've got. 
so while yes, the PC enthusiasts among us are probably going to be fairly upset by numbers getting lower, by measuring contests not not quite measuring up the way they used to, so to speak. Uh, but what impact does this have on the performance and the user experience of the Steam Deck itself? I would say it's probably less than 3% in actual use. And I would say that's pretty negligible when you're talking about a mass-produced product. Uh, there were Xboxes that were distributed with multiple versions of disk drives and multiple versions of hard drives, and they all have advantages and disadvantages. There are some that were 10% faster in read times. There were There's PlayStations that have gone through this. There's um, every mass-produced... Heck, we've, we've talked about iPhones and storage speed yeah. of the NAND flash that your iPhone happens to get. And if it's Samsung or Elecom or, or Micron or whoever made the, the NAND flash, and they go, well, this iPhone is 15% faster than the other one. You know why Apple didn't care? Because it doesn't make a difference to the user experience. And I feel that's going to be the case here. Now, anyone is free to refute that or dispute my view on that. But you also have to remember, we're not necessarily dealing with a high-performance PC here. We're dealing with what is essentially a handheld games console. It's, and, it's a nice laptop. <laughs> right. Not even that, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's decent laptop specs. Yeah. Um, but for the form factor it is and the... And the designed use case of the steam deck i i don't think this is uh really even a, a flash in the pan of an issue so but yes uh valve did say that uh 256 and 512 gig models uh may ship now with pci express gen 3 by 2 ssds instead of gen 3 by 4 ssds uh, but in testing, they did not see any impact to gaming performance between X2 and X4. And there have been numerous tests done, uh, even between like 500 megabyte per second SATA SSDs versus NVMe, and are your game's performance affected? And the only time it's going to be affected is for super high demand, open world, high asset resolution games um but even then most of the time the textures that you need are loaded to video memory anyway and so your initial load time from storage to video memory might be slower but by the time you actually need to use that memory you're already in ram so not that big a deal yeah, I know. I guess it just because uh, I didn't see the article saying that it uh, apologized or just clarified the statement. Um, it, now it's saying that there are two different models and to just go check. Mm -hmm. um, I guess to me, the only disappointing, I agree with you, it's not that big of a deal. It really shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, but just a nice statement saying something that's going out. Hey, this happened. Even I, I, like you're saying, if it's not that big of a deal, you know, here's 
20 bucks or or a gift card or uh, you know proof of purchase and we'll send you x as a little bit of hey we're sorry we, it, it was our fault we you know we, we didn't announce it we messed up a little bit but it's not that big of a deal like you said but i still think no. with valve being that big of a company some form of an just acknowledgement of the mess up this this may come up later on as some kind of class action suit but when you consider the value in the ssds themselves think about a 2230 ssd uh i mean these are fairly small ssds a 256 is like 50 bucks yeah exactly well, that's what, like what's bucks or what's an x2 it's like 40 bucks yeah and that and that's not even like that's you buying that drive at retail that's not the value to valve and right now it's likely due to needing to source multiple vendors because you know ready to blow everyone's minds here when you mass produce a product like the steam deck or like the switch or like the iphone you have multiple vendors that have varying quality standards or varying specifications that they try to match but the reason they're two different vendors is they're two different vendors and uh they may be slightly different but if it doesn't affect the end product then it doesn't affect the end product which is why sometimes you get apple laptops with samsung memory and sometimes you get it with micron memory and is there a measurable difference in benchmarks sure is there a measurable difference in day-to-day use probably not or not to the extent that it should cause an issue yeah no well i mean i think even just but still an acknowledgement and even i mean like you said that for their cost it's probably negligible mm-hmm. but maybe to not have it be a class action lawsuit to be like hey here's a ten dollar twenty dollar gift card for steam you know some right. game in steam or, or something because that's really it's not going to hit their profit that hard just to be like we're sorry uh have you seen the steam purchase. sales yeah oh, exactly. they don't give a just, flying f about 10 bucks yeah. so that's a well that's a but you do that as just to save face you right. know you also do it to be like we're sorry we did mess up we can't do anything about it, but this is the new direction we're gonna have to go from now Tell you on what, everyone who bought a steam deck gets a ten dollar uh ten dollar steam steam buck voucher yeah something like that problem that's solved problem solved that's all yep. that's all it would be you know um, that's all you'd have to say, something like that. And I will tell you right now, the community would be happy and no, nothing further would happen. I don't think something further will happen from, from this, but yeah. like you said, it could, if it's it not addressed. Right. So maybe. Yep. Yeah. If, um, what I think is valve does need to get in front of this, uh, learn from PR mistakes of the past and, uh, and don't let this become a like, well, what else aren't they telling us about? Uh, because like I, from a logistical standpoint, understand multiple vendors, multiple use cases, multiple, and does it impact the actual end quality of the device you're manufacturing and selling? And if the answer is no, then it should be negligible. The problem is that Valve published the SSD specs uh, of a PCI Express Gen 3x4, and then by later switching it, they are 
in violation of some some buyer seller agreements uh supposedly so i mean these are the things that class action lawsuits are are made and and settled on and you know if you bought a steam deck and it goes that far congratulations you'll get a three dollar check in three years like that's all this is going to happen so <laughs> sorry on the discord there was a video posted it's kind of funny <laughs> of us yep yeah, and Emma points out probably more to do with the fact that the shorter 2242 uh, NVMe drives are extremely limited with only a few manufacturers making them. And yeah, that's because of the NAND flash chips that have to go on top of them. Um, you have to have some of the higher density uh, 512 uh, gigabit uh, flash chips uh, to get the capacities that they're, they're requiring. So, yeah. Uh, limited vendors and needing to, you know, cut corners to make your final goal. Honestly, if there's a corner to cut, it's probably SSD speed because, like I said, my micro SD card loads games almost as quick as my NVMe drive. And on paper, they're not even comparable. But like I said, by the time your game actually needs them, the textures and and vertices they're already in ram that's what video memory is for the only the initial transfer of the assets to ram is what matters as far as transfer speed in gaming so not to completely give valve an out but i also understand yeah no i mean i i, I still agree with your point i just said yeah. i think a quick quick something would be funny or not sorry, I'm, I'm talking with Tech Geek. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally said holy monkey instead of holy monk. It's <laughs> 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 just like, oh man. It was funny. Uh I think you just earned a new role on the Discord. Uh, holy monkey. Holy monkey. <laughs> <laughs> holy hot monkey. There, you know, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do we I think got? That's a beer here? name, isn't? It? Or that's a golden monk monkey. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. What else we got going on? Let's see. <laughs> Sorry, I just pulled up the Discord chat for a second. Lorasai, uh, 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 Loresi. I don't know how you say it. Uh, Jeff is plenty smart. Just look at his golf hat. That's a hat of someone who knows some stuff. <laughs> but how do you explain Linus wearing it lately? <laughs> All hail, holy monkey hops and brews. <laughs> Thank you, Tech Geek. <laughs> do I need to get you a smart car to drive around in now? <laughs> With like glass of a Pope, Pope screen? Don't you have a little Mercedes power wheel that we could court you around in? <laughs> could, yeah, I could, just, I could probably just like control it and I'll put like a plexiglass cage around it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, funky, fun, funky monkey and I gotta go get a funky monkey and holy monk. Yeah. 
<laughs> Did we just start an inner Discord war? No, I already called out Linus on him stealing my hats. Like, <laughs> these are my hats, dang it. Uh, anyway, moving right along. Uh, Intel Arc graphics. Uh, to this point, they've really only been... They've been very, very minimally distributed. Um, but there are some discrete cards that you can get your hands on. Uh, and I will say, if this leaked benchmark is anything to go off of, I'm less impressed than I thought I was going to be. So, uh, Intel's ARC A380, which is their first release to manufacture GPU, uh, shows that it is roughly 15% slower than a three-year-old GPU. Uh, comparing it against the GTX 1650, and you could also say the 6400, or, you know, there's a couple other cards that you could toss in there. Um, you know, RX 570, it comes to mind. Uh, so, I'm not quite sure exactly what to think yet, because while I am a little underwhelmed by those numbers, uh, the article does point out that Intel's results are from a 75-watt TDP card um, that doesn't have a PCI Express power connector on board. There are versions of the A380 which can come with either a 6- or 8-pin PCI Express uh, power connector and be offered up to 80 or 87 watts with up to 350 megahertz faster boost clocks. Um, so that's not insignificant. That's, I mean, that right there is over 15% uh, of the actual boost clock, uh, you know, closer to 20% of, uh, of performance if it scales laterally or linearly rather. Uh, so honestly, while this PC Gamer article is a little, it, it 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 feels like it wants to hate the Intel card. I'm actually coming from this as like, I was hoping for more, but at the same time, keep in mind the 1650 is also an 80 watt TDP card. And we're looking at the 75 watt TDP card right now, not the 80 or the 87 watt TDP card. And if we add that 15 to 20% of faster boost clocks, on, onto that, uh, you're telling me that Intel's very first RTM card uh, at the low end at the same wattage points competes with a 1650 at at equal power draw. That's I'm actually kind of I'm, I'm actually kind of encouraged by that. No, uh, that's I mean you can you can still play decently on the 1650 like totally 70 percent of the games out there right now who hated the 1650 when it was released i don't know i mean i didn't have one sorry that's a joke uh because ev <laughs> everyone did except me uh <laughs> um but now we're looking at it going you know I, you know that's not that terrible um so no, I mean it's it's a decently priced car. It's a decently priced uh, uh, entry car. You know, you're talking like 199 esque 
Um, and if this is comparable to that, and what do you what did you say? Sixty? How much wattage is power is it consuming? Uh, roughly on par with the sixteen eighty okay. or sixteen fifty. Um, so watt, the yeah. the the version that was tested was seventy five watt, which is the okay. the non supplemental power version. There's also an eighty and an eighty seven watt. But if you look at the clock speeds, the uh, there's a 2000 megahertz clock speed limit on the 75 watt card. There's an unlocked limit on the ones with six or eight pin power connectors, yeah. uh, which ups the boost clock to 2250 or 2350. And, and again, that's almost a 20% improvement in clock speeds. Um, so the fact that we have this benchmark right here and the GTX 1650 is an 80 watt TDP card. Uh, it's actually kind of safe to assume that at 87 watts, we might be matching that performance. Now that's still higher power draw, but we're in the ballpark. And, and, and I don't think these are honestly all that underwhelming or, you know, disappointing as far as numbers no. go. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the art, the article did kind of come off. Um, I because I remember when I first read it earlier mm -hmm. today, it was coming off like, "Oh, this is a big disappointment." But when you put it like that, it's like, you know, you're you're absolutely right. It it's really not that bad. It's like, hey, here's a, a probably going to be a ch very cheap card or right. something that'll be embedded into you know a laptop or something micro wise that's drawing very little power, especially the seventy five watt one. And you're going to be fun. You're going to be able to play a lot of your games on it. So actually it's kind of encouraging because it's probably going to be put into a lot of small thing, built-in mm -hmm. laptops or tablets or something. Right. Or laptops. Um, no, this is an add-in card. This is a PCI Express card that you add oh, into entry-level gaming desktops. Um, oh, there. Yeah, no, this is a, a full... Oh, I thought PCI Express expansion. Oh, okay. Um, uh, no, it, Intel know. is going to be developing embedded solutions as well. Um, but uh, but no, this is the their actual Arc A380 PCI Express card. This is their actual gaming, like first release of a gaming card. That's still, that's fine. I mean, and the, the only downside is price. And that's not talked about in this article. Right. Uh, it's um, not released for retail sale. It is only available through OEMs. Uh, as an add-on option, so That's, well, HP, I mean, Dell, and yeah. and they're mainly aiming for like mid-level workstation kind of tiers right now. Um, but well, I'm just I'm just yeah, because I when I when we with this, I'm I'm thinking the pre-built gaming PCs. You know, mm -hmm. this is I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like Walmart does a contract with them to be like. This is going to be the, the graphics card yeah. they used, you know, as they rebrand their brand from Dell or whatever. I forget what their little stupid Walmart gaming brand is called. Yeah. On or something like um, that. Uh, let, me, let me pull up a couple interesting things real quick. Because uh, they do a lot of HP stuff. <coughs> and I would have... So, uh, I just went ahead and pulled up the Intel Arc A380, okay? Uh, if we go down here, this is the important thing to pay attention to, is the execution cores, the XE cores, as, as they call them. There are eight XE cores inside of here. Uh, 
and they run at 2000 megahertz at the TDP of 75 watts. However, there are boost variants faster than that up to 2350 and 87 watts. Six gigabytes of GDDR6, which is actually higher than the competition at 1650 with four gigs, um, as well as the 6400 uh, RX AMD card with four gigs. Um, so we're getting more memory, faster memory, and potentially similar or faster performance uh, for roughly the same wattage. Now, uh, let me bring up a PDF uh, that is Intel's fact sheet about some other upcoming data center cards based on Intel Arc technology. Uh, this is codename Arctic Sound, and this is a publicly accessible uh, press release paper that you can grab yourself. Um, they have two different cards coming out. They have a 150 watt option, which has 32 execution cores or roughly four times the performance. They also have a 75 watt option with 16 execution cores. Now, obviously this isn't going to scale linearly because we're talking about four times the cores, but only double the power draw. But these are based for servers and, uh, are going to be uh, more for artificial intelligence learning or machine learning, uh, cloud gaming, VDI, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this shows that in existence, we already have cores from Intel that have four times the core count of this A380. Uh, which means if we get like a 250 watt gaming variant, which is kind of what NVIDIA does with a lot of their things, like we'll, um, looking back at uh, like the Pascal line of cards, we had the uh, GTX 1080 and 1080 Ti. Uh, we also had the NVIDIA Tesla P40, uh, which was based off the same GPU die but was limited to 250 watts, whereas you can crank 350 or 400 into a 1080 Ti. And I'm paraphrasing those numbers. I know they were lower than that, but um, you had a limited number or a limited wattage because it was supposed to run in a data center at a fixed clock speed at a known stability uh, versus a gaming card, which you can push to the bleeding edge. Um, so we already know that some things exist. Oh, and check this, check out this bad self. Oh yeah. Did you see what I see? Uh, my screen's a little blurry on your, so I can't see it. <laughs> I, 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 I see two dies. Oh, uh, look at that. I, I see two dies. <laughs> I, I see one big card with one big chip and I see one slightly smaller card with two kind of little chips. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm definitely going to be interested to see what Intel's roadmap actually ends up being, what the release cycle ends up being. And I really want to get my hands on an A380 and find out how does it actually perform? Well, that's the nice thing. I don't think a lot of people are probably going to want to have this or try this. I mean, I think they will because it's Intel's first um you know art art uh, in the for the gaming uh, graphics cards yeah but um i don't know the, the, like you said the way that this article is framed i'm betting people probably won't want to try this or if they do they might look at it as 
eh, it's not really worth it. There are so many other better, better cards out there for $100 more. But for the budget gamer, $100 is a lot. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, plus two, this might bring down uh, the price of uh, like a GTX 650. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to be competing with it. And so they're going to want to somehow compete with it. It might drop 20, 30 bucks. So you never know. Uh, so uh, Novella Hub pointed out that this could make for a pretty killer little Plex machine. Uh, one thing here. There we go. Uh, I'm going to bring up this slide one more time. So this is, again, from that same PDF. Uh, Multi-purpose GPUs for data center workloads. Uh, these new XE graphics cards uh, come with AV1 hardware encoding. That's the new hotness. Uh, like the heck with X265 and H264. AV1. I'm pretty sure that sound you're all hearing right now is Epo's Vox having a stroke. <laughs> Although I don't know if those two cores are going to be the 75 watt ones. I, I bet those would be probably be a little bit more of the 80 ones. Right. No. Um. So we're not sure what. Well, we do know that the A380 has eight execution cores. Um. We don't know if there are 16 core chips that have been cut down to eight because of binning. We don't know if they're just cut into eight. Um, we also don't know what the 16 chips entail. Are they actually two eights? Are they a single 16? Are they shared bus? Are, like there's so much of the infrastructure we don't know about Intel's roadmap as far as this GPU rollout goes um i'm hoping to know more in the very near future um but uh for right now all, all we can do is look at the pdfs and look at the specs and and kind of guess uh from this chart i i'm looking at we know the 75 watt card has 16 execution cores this may have two eight core units on it uh, and and based on what I'm seeing, let me zoom in there, that totally appears valid. Uh, like two eight core dies. I don't know if they're shared GPU or shared memory. I don't know if, if there's some kind of SLI going on. I don't know if they're recognized as two separate cards or if Intel finally figured out how to cross memory with with different things, but what I do know is that the bigger card, the 150 watt, only has a single die and it is a significantly larger die and it has at least an 8-pin PCI Express on the back, if not an EPS connector, as are actually a little bit more common in data center use. Um, but video transcode up to 30 uh, 1080p streams up to 40 plus game streams in cloud gaming, 62 virtualized desktop infrastructure or VDI uh, instances, which if you've all seen my cloud gaming series, you know, you know I'm gonna test that. Um, <laughs> well, someone already asked that in the chat too. Right. Um, also, as Skull points out, it's a single slot GPU. Uh, these aren't double slots. These aren't massively overspecced coolers. 
Um, will these come with active cooling? That's another thing to keep in mind. Um, but if I scroll down just a little bit more, here's the real interesting tidbit on these server GPUs. Full stack VDI infrastructure support. Uh, VDI is virtual desktop, and that's the the infrastructure that I'm using for cloud gaming and a lot of my Proxmox and whatnot tutorials and videos. Um, let's see. Unlike current offerings, cough, cough, NVIDIA, Intel does not charge any additional software licensing fees or hardware-based uh, software licensing or fees for hardware-based SRIOV. That is the software-based PCI Express bifurcation. Split up your graphics core, give it to a virtual machine, and to hell with licensing. That's a good thing. I want like six of these. <laughs> and yes, I have enough PCI Express slots for that. <laughs> I want well, like six of these. Like you said, cooling. We've got to see what cooling is. Yeah. Do you think they would hate me if I plugged them into a, an Epic server, though? <laughs> like, like the only server that I have with enough PCI Express bandwidth is an Epic 64 core Rome. <laughs> Maybe I just need to get some 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 Xeons from from Intel too. Yeah. So, anyway, overall, I'm not that disappointed, and and I'm actually a little bit encouraged, even though people go, ah, their first card is barely keeping up with a 1650. You know what? Watt for watt, it's kind of matching the 1650. And I don't know about you, but the 1650 isn't that bad of an architecture with the Turing-based architecture. It's only one generation old. Sure, it's well, almost three yeah. years old at this point. Well, that's what I was saying. The, the 1650 is still a decent card. You can still play like 70, 80% of the modern games out there. Oh, totally. You know, at, at not ultra, but 1080p high. medium settings. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whatever. Which is what it's, know, it's, it's, it's a $165 card. It's, yeah. not, it's not a juggernaut. It wasn't no, meant it, to be a juggernaut. No, it was it was literally supposed to be like the your first graph my first graphics card, you know, type of thing. That's really what it was supposed to be. You know, they weren't someone's not gonna go ask for a thirty eighty for their first graphics card. I mean they they'll ask for it, but they ain't gonna get it. Oh, that was good. All right. Uh, how's your beer doing, John? I, I just finished it, and it mm. was delicious. It uh, was... How is yours? This is fantastic. Um, like... I, I, I even looked at what is the definition of a pre-prohibition, and everything gave me cream ale or lager, but the one thing that was consistent with it was supposed to be hoppier. But they said above 30 IBUs. And I was like, well, it's an IPA. So, yeah, you can Of say course, anything. right. <laughs> if I have an IPA that's below 70, I'm pissed off. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, I mean, technically all um, IPAs that are pre-pro. So, I, I still what, don't know what it is. What I will say, you just said something that went bing in the back of my brain, and that was cream ale. This has an orange creamsicle kind of 
kind of fruitiness now, see, to it. I wonder what if they went and took a cream ale, a pre-prohibition cream ale, because mm-hmm. that's a style, mm-hmm. and then they just dry hopped it a lot with Citra. That's kind of what it tastes like. And that would like, make it the IPA. Like I told, it, it totally didn't register. I was just like, hey, that's kind of like orangey and citrusy and... And and there's a there's a little bit of hot bitterness, but it's still very wet mouthfeel. It's still very juicy and refreshing. Yeah. Like it's it's really good. Um, you said cream ale, and I went bing, and I went, dude, it's super smooth. It's fairly creamy. It's light yeah, and fluffy on the on the mouthfeel, um, but it's still very juicy. Yeah, and uh, you said it wasn't super hazy either. It's not super hazy, but there's definitely that that hop. That's like right on top of everything. Huh. Interesting. I I, I think you just surprised. hit. I think you just hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, that would be funny. I, I should because they're not far from my work. I should just go over there. Like, what'd you do? <laughs> hmm. Uh, why don't you open your next one? I'm gonna be done with this one by the time you're. Uh, oh you're right. Ready. Well, I was gonna say like your beer is probably just as good as today's sponsor, but you're finishing up your beer, so <laughs> I didn't want to. You know. Now I. You know, you're probably right, and and boy, if I was at all prepared, uh, I would have had the sponsor read already up and running. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just as good as my beer is today. Today's sponsor, Linode, as John holds up the IPA. Uh, today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. If you ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, power, cooling, time, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of my tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS server, VPN gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And again, a huge thanks to Linode for continuing to sponsor Talking Heads. Thank you, Linode. Thank you, Linode. We drink for another day. Yes. So, no, yeah, I'm just having a Deschutes Fresh Haze IPA. That's a solid uh, IPA. It's just a solid. I got their new pack because they had um, two new varieties in with yeah. it. And I was like, I can't go wrong with the Deschutes IPA variety pack. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. Um, then, too, I also I have a, a bourbon stout that's been sitting yeah. over here. I will probably be at the end of the show slash after party. Nice. So I was like, I'll go with the 12 or 12 ounce. There you go. Uh, so I've got another ex novo uh, on deck, I guess you could say. Uh, this one is no shade here. It is a fruited wheat ale, Ooh, which I know is, is a favorite style of yours. 
I I should do. I've had uh, it was a pineapple wheat hefeweizen, which I thought was delicious. Ooh. Um, uh, I even I was like, if I could find another one, I'll probably grab one for you. But again, the shoots makes it nice. So, but uh, no, what, I, does it I, say what fruit? Oh wow! Oh, Look at a red color. fruit. Yeah. Berry, cranberry. Um, they on on the front of it they have raspberries and lemons. That's not bad. So I that's mean, the can art, yeah. So, so I'm assume, assuming. I would think lemonade, raspberry lemonade, wheat ale. Right. Um, which does not sound bad in my book. No. Uh, so apparently your ex novo pre prohibition ale was on Tavor. Uh-huh. Um, hey, if anyone wants ten dollars off their first tab or pack, uh, promo code Hops Bruce. <laughs> How do I uh, not have a promo code yet? Answer me I that. Know. I don't know. Can't talk to him. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it pour it pours like a weed ale too. Look at that. Oh yeah, that is that beautiful. It looks great, but uh, <laughs> there is a description for tasting notes. Ooh, and I'm they all say ears. every. Every sip gushes with flavors of ripe peach and tangy tangerines, thanks to the generous hop additions. And it's all wrapped in a ultra soft body, thanks to the plenty of wheat in the mash. So I think your description was pretty spot on about all the flavors. Soft, pellowy, you know, a little weedy. Are you talking about the pre-prohibition? Yeah, the pre- it was the okay, pre-prohibition gotcha. one. Gotcha. Because tap, uh, untapped had. You, no, you, no... you said peach and, and something, and I'm going. Oh, no, no, no. The other <laughs> S Nova. Sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I could have confused it with that one. No, so, so, my brain didn't connect the dots that you were talking about the, the old one. <laughs> peach and nectarine. I, look, I have a five year old, <laughs> and we've been going over shapes and colors lately. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Uh, but no, like that was a delicious, delicious hazy. I I think I'm gonna have to pick it up. If I, I'll probably do a beer run this following weekend. If I see it, I might just pick it up. I think it was twelve ninety nine for a four pack. Like it's that's it's a fairly reasonable four pack. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. It's like three fifty a beer. So. Yeah, three twenty five a pint. Like yeah, heck yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good beer. What was the percentage? Do you remember? Like uh, 6.7. It's nothing wrong with that. It's a fine, right. fine, fine beer. Right. Fine, slightly heavier than a lawnmower beer, but in the realm. Yeah. Right. That, that's probably the size I'd probably have with the dinner. Yeah. A yeah. meal. Oh, a with, oh dude, a burger with that? Oh, teriyaki burger with that? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, now, now you're speaking my language. Oh, I make my own teriyaki sauce. Oh, it's so good. I, I, I dip so everything I. in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just, I was like, I, I'll, I'll make a mason jar. Uh, I make about four cups at a time. Nice. And I'll just save it. And then everything for the next. Do a soy one. sauce and brown sugar yeah, reduction. Every, yeah. Everything is teriyaki flavored for the next. My man. <laughs> uh, did chunks of strawberry come out when you shake the ball? Shut up. <laughs> That one time, I feel like, I think I need to make a video of just me, like, I'm going to finally make a strawberry blonde ale and make <laughs> you drink it. 
like you should be like, you like should a video where I take a month brewing it and then drive it to your house. And I, I have gotten more it. legs off that joke <laughs> than anything else ever. John uh, and I met. John and I became friends because we we joined the same band, and uh, and and it's like, hey, we should get to know each other. Like, come on over, we'll have dinner and whatnot. And he left his wife at home and just came over. And, and I didn't have kids at the time, so it's like, yeah, come over, we'll like have have beers and and drinks and everything else. And, and whatnot and uh so i made cocktails and john brought a six pack of his homebrew and i went oh cool yeah. you know like you, you brew your own and whatnot and um uh gosh this was we're date i'm dating our us now but tell, 12 do years that, ago yeah don't do that oh um <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it was right around 12 maybe even 13 years ago yeah, like know. it was a while yeah. ago um but uh yeah, John brought some homebrew and, and and he goes, yeah, I've got a couple of varieties here. I've got like this beer and I've got this strawberry Blondale that I made. So and a I, second beer. And I, and I went, yeah, let, let's totally try that. And he goes to pour it and it stops pouring. <laughs> and he shakes it real quick and a, and a whole <laughs> strawberry falls out of it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I opened it over the sink. Oh, right. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to this one. Oh, okay. Okay, it we're not bad. Out, he, starts, like, he starts pouring it, but then it like stops pouring stops, because he's pouring yeah, it into yeah. a glass. <laughs> and he's like, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's fresh fruit. <laughs> it's the original. I came up with the jammy sour. <laughs> the, I'm the you're supposed to jam. mash them, John. No, I, I'm I'm the one who came up with you. Add whole fruit after, fermentation. After fermentation, it's like that's that's that was my thing. I just yeah. Uh, uh, everyone that enjoys those, you're welcome. Would you call that a back fruiting? Is <laughs> my attempt at a cocktail beer? <laughs> I I so I have I have a video idea to where I think classification of these modern beers. Mm-hmm of the jammy sours and the the adjunct beers should not be classified as beers. They should be classified as cocktails because these Ooh. items are added after fermentation and during bottling. You're not incorrect. Canning. You're not incorrect. And so it is a it is a alcoholic beverage with an additive to it, which is the definition of a cocktail. Right. Um, yeah, cocktail just means alcohol or technically a cocktail is spirits with mixers. It and is. so and so this would be its own kind of like unique classification. Um, gosh, you'd be looking at grogs or yeah. like like what? Like, you know, the old fashioned Viking drinks with the, the heated raw iron and, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the egg in the stout like. You'd be looking at that kind of classification for a jammy sour. Um, so, I think so it's called here, grog, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Yes, you're correct. Wikipedia is, no, whatever Wikipedia, but uh, a, a cocktail is a mixed drink typically made, typically though, mm -hmm. with distilled liquor. Now that means not necessarily. And I think that was my argument when I came up with this idea. And you know, cocktail, cocktail in and of itself, when it's talking about alcoholic beverages, is typically spirits but oh cocktails in and of themselves are just mixed drinks exactly it, it and does say sweetened liqueurs wine or beers may also be served 
as the base to or be added. And so that point, So I think your definition fits. Yes, exactly. So these those are should not be classified. I, I rescind my yeah. Uh no, like once I started thinking about it, I went, no no no. Because cocktail, hell you buy juice from the store that is a grape cocktail or yeah. most juice that you buy from the store is technically a cocktail because it's a mix of, of fruit others. juices. Yeah. Uh, you, you go, unless you buy like 100% grape juice, it's 85% apple. Like I, yeah. I promise you, um, which makes it a cocktail. A Cranberry so cocktail think, is is yeah, yeah. is the mixer you that you a make a, a vodka cran with. So yeah. So I, I I was thinking about making a video of just discussing the definition of these and how you have me questioning my whole reality right now. Do you realize so, that? I don't. Know. I just thought I I was thinking that like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, that's a really interesting idea. I don't think anyone's gonna care or notice. I was like, I don't. Know, I think I should talk about that for a quick second. <laughs> I think that'd be a fantastic video. Um, yeah. crack open a Jamie Sour and crack open an IPA and or maybe one that pairs a little bit better with a Jamie Sour. Yeah, maybe, but I, you talk, you have to go find the definitions of a beer and the exact definition of a cocktail right. and then how each beer is made and then therefore because I know a Jamie Sour or one of smoothies have it's added after fermentation that would mean it's technically should be considered a uh, cocktail. If You're... I'm wrong in the chat, in, in in the chat or comments, let me know. Let me know if I'm wrong. If anyone thinks I'm wrong, I I'm honestly totally on board with you. Uh, yes. Like like at first I was going like whoa 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 that's sacred ground, and, <laughs> and and now I'm going you know what? When I step back and think of not alcoholic cocktail but just the definition of cocktail as mixed drink. You're it's not wrong. It's yeah, a beer it's cocktail. A beer co right. No, I think you're absolutely on point there. Yeah. Roll it. Roll it. So we we do have some beer news. We do. Uh, if you, if you want to get into that right now. Um, or we can talk whatever. Stone! Yeah. Uh, Stone! Oh, man. I, this... This kind of this kind of broke my heart. <laughs> this bums me out. This bums me out to like levels I don't even want to talk about. I know. Um, so Stone Brewing is the I think they said fourth or fifth largest craft brewery in the United States. Eighteenth largest in in general. When you take away the conglomerates of of like owned craft like monopolies and whatnot, which are also owned by like InBev and crap like that. Uh, I believe they're third behind Sam Adams and they're they're yeah they're they're third they're third for craft eighteenth in general right. in the United States right as so, a I single mean, holding company as a they're single 18th. holding company they're eighteenth so that's including the Budweiser the Miller Coors they're big they are probably the most recognizable craft beer brand next to Boston uh, right beer. yeah Sam Adams. Sam Adams right. Um, like when you talk craft beer, you've got Sam Adams on the East Coast and you've got Stone on the West Coast. On the West Coast. And, you can also and, throw in Sierra Nevada, but like. Yeah. But they just sold out. Uh, and 
Now they didn't sell out to Miller, Coors, you know, Budweiser. They didn't InBev. They didn't do that. They sold to Sephora, which is an uh, an Asian uh, a brewery, and they're they're trying to get into the market. I, I was talking with some people. I don't know what I don't know what's going. On. It was so the deal was a hundred and sixty-five million dollar deal with additional payments if Stone Brewery's uh, production goes up. Depending, John, on we could have crowdfunded that. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know though. Will they accept Bitcoin? Oh crap! We need twice as much now. <laughs> yeah, the the whole offer wasn't Bitcoin. Um, it was all in NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> was was probably all in like Budweiser NFTs too, right? Um, I don't know. I, so so Greg Co Kosh whatever I keep don't remember how to say his name. Um, Kosh, I believe. Kosh, yeah, kind of kind of basically stated because for the longest time he was like, I will never sell. I will never sell. Yeah. I mean, for years he was saying I would never sell, and then he basically made a statement on the website stating. I'm just burnt. I'm I'm done. I yeah. I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm ready to just live a the life on a beach. Yep. I just want want to do nothing. I I took a look at some brands and I feel that this one is it. I'm sorry to the people that I, that feel I've hurt you. I'm you know I I think I put it in the best hands possible. Not much. You more said 165 million, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but still, so other than him, everyone else in the company is still staying. So he has to step down as Greg, chairman. you enjoy your retirement, my friend. That's like, essentially what it is, is he stated in it, like he's now enjoying domestic beers. He's like, honestly, I, I not Budweiser's, but he's enjoying uh, a Sam Adams. Uh, he's enjoying, you right. know, a Dogfish Head. He's enjoying Sierra Nevada, uh, Goose Island, Sierra Goose Nevada. Island, right. You know, he's like, there's nothing wrong with these beers and they're now owned by these. And I think he's starting to talk to those people. I yeah. don't that he didn't state that, but that's my assumption because he's talked to these people for years. Uh, he's been, he's one of the founding people to do a double IPA back in 1996. Stone Brewery made the second double IPA ever. Yep. So, um, uh, it's just, I don't know, man, this just kind of breaks my heart. It hurts, but at the <laughs> same hurts. time, would you do any different in his shoes? No, no, I wouldn't. Right, do any, and 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 know. so, as as much as we like to idolize the idea of the the self made man, the the brewery that came out of nothing, the you know the guy who created an industry essentially, um, which Greg certainly had a hand in the the oh, entire yeah. craft brewing revolution that happened between the the mid nineties and today. Um, you know, uh, God, he's, he's been there for 26 years. Go enjoy your time on a beach, dude. Like, yeah. like I, I, I can never now. fault anyone for, for going, you know what? Not only my life, but the lives of the next like 12 generations in my family are now set in stone. <laughs> uh, ah. like, like. No one will have to lift a goddamn finger ever again. No, yeah, in his now, like, there is a there was there was one part they are not selling the stone distribution. 
which is does have some pretty big names in it, but yeah. uh, has Russian River, has Twenty First Amendment, Oscar yeah. Blues, Cigar City. Yep, um, that's still staying which is why we that. get all them. So I'm really glad they didn't. Sell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, there was one kind of a jerk move. I thought they did. Uh, they just announced it to the whole company via a Zoom meeting, and it was just like, "Hey, everyone, we're selling." Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, but again, they, here here's the alternative. Are, they find out in a press release. Yeah, I mean, they like, are they're huge. They are a huge brewery. You know, third third in craft beer, 18th in overall. They used to have a. They have. I think I believe they have a secondary brewery, which is the Arrogant Bastard uh, Brewery, that also got still sold. By the yeah, way. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> uh. So they have multiple breweries. They had one in. Uh. Uh. Uh, England for not England, um, Europe for a while, Germany. Yeah, uh, that that got sold and that hurt them a lot. And then the suit with um, Keystone Light, I bet probably cost them a lot. And I bet that was a big factor. And he's just like, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of the horrible press we're having to do. Hurting the that they had to hurt a few little guys in the process. Um, we talked about that before with the lawsuit. I think a couple weeks back to where they still had to put a cease and desist, but kind yeah. of put it under the rug, but they still had to hurt him. And they took a lot of bad press from that. And I bet yeah. he was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this crap. So, I'm right. done. You know, every, the people that I know and I respect know my reasonings and that's yep. all I care about. Everyone yep. else, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got no ill will. Like, it sucks because one of the the cornerstones of craft brewing is changing hands um changing hands to i mean sporo's got a, a decent track record of you know maintaining autonomy and 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 furthering and we could say the same damn thing about you know inbev taking over goose island like has has uh you know bcs gone down in quality at all no in fact they probably oh. got better yeah, exactly. uh, you know, they, they were, they're able to release more variants. You know, what about 10 barrel? What about like, like there's dozens of examples of even the ones that have sold out, quote unquote, improving and getting better distribution and allowing more people to enjoy them. Uh, it does suck to see one of the major players get sold out. But at the same time, it's like it didn't sell to, to Miller or Coors or InBev or... Yeah or anything like that, it, it's still independent from the rest. You know, I, and I've got no ill, ill feelings towards that. Like in yeah, life, you got to make a decision and you said 165 million, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so, um, I mean, th this will probably bring the, um, a, a quintessential West coast IPAs to Japan now. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. and then we'll probably be getting some, hopefully interesting whatever Saburo, whatever they have and maybe some of their conglomerates into the stone brewing and we might get a little bit more or you know who knows some interesting beers maybe we'll happen. get some so, blue ipas exactly well there was that blue algae ip or something from japan i had that <laughs> one yeah so there's just some weird that was definitely that was, interesting they got some weird stuff so i, I don't know i do like Maybe that's what's maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know, but um, you know, like said, when I, you're I, the I tipsy felt, bartender, felt, you know, Blue Curacao 
you know, it goes in everything because maybe the blue IPA is the next trend. We'll we'll get the blue hazies or some crap. That's true. That's true. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, but but like I said, I was I was hurt, but still like, eh. honestly, if I was in the same boat, I'd probably do the same. That's whatever. Right. That's what I felt about Ten Barrel. That's what I felt about. I always felt uh, that about Ten Barrel. El- Elysian. I was like. Yep. Guys, I know we all hate them, and sure, some of the core beers kind of went down, but the specialty beers went up. Right. So, and and now uh, you can drink them if you're like in freaking Indiana. Exactly. Like, so it's like, okay, I know. No I'm one like lost that. in this. Uh, yeah. If, if I travel, I saw a ten barrel beer or at least I know I'm gonna like it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna like Space Dust. So it's gonna be at that dive bar now. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but that's just like, oh, you're hitting at me in my soul. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll live, I guess. Fr- friggin' Bifrost in the in the winters, like hell yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so, so that happened. Um, yep. Some of you might have heard it, but yeah. So it, there you go. <sighs> um, some n- different non-beer, but whiskey. The longest-running live-action comedy series, and I believe, yeah. One of the longest live action TV shows. It's always in, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I've heard of it. Uh, I I've seen like one or two episodes. Uh, you know, I, I just can't seem to get into it. Um, Snaps our, garbage bag open. <laughs> are coming out with their own whiskey brand. Yep. Uh, and they're coming out with two variants too. So the four walls. Coming up with a, uh, which are the four guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Now, it's not really with the show, but it's the uh, the Rob, Charlie, and Glenn, the three main characters who are all, all actually best friends in real life, yep. are actually uh, coming out with this. So uh, if you do see it, uh, go check it out. I believe there is a rye and a regular one. I did yep. not see. Yeah, rye and a bourbon. Rye and a bourbon. And I did not see the age on these, though. I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, a standard four year standard, you know. So, but interesting, uh, you know, I'll probably get it. I'm a fan of the show, but it's, I like trying the, the only 755 bottles are being produced and each arrives in a mirrored engraved box that includes the signatures of all three stars with a price tag of $999. Oh, and by the way, they've been aged 15 years. Oh, okay. So I didn't read the rest of the article. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, so John, ba- you're going to be getting one of these? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, basically, to me, that sounds like uh, someone aged whiskey now. and they were like, hey, who wants to buy this? I don't think 15 years ago they were like, let's start a whiskey company. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure someone, ha- a company had some 15-year-old whiskey and they were like, mm-hmm. who, wants, who wants to buy a bunch of barrels of this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or sorry, it's 755 bottles. So who wants to buy one barrel of this? Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's what so, it is. Um, actually, there was there was a documentary I was watching about whiskey and how most of American whiskey is all from like. Ah, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, let me let me scroll back a little bit. Okay. okay. Uh, so. Uh, they will be mass produced at $89. And then there's a specialty version that is a 15 year Irish whiskey because the, uh, yeah, the, the standard is a tribute to Patty's Irish pub 
uh, which is where most of the show takes place. It's a 45% ABV or 90 proof uh, Irish whiskey uh, that's smooth enough to be served neat, but also holds up in a cocktail. Bottles are priced at $89. Initial release will only be a few hundred cases. Uh, and then there's also a 15-year variant that they're making 755 bottles of. There we go. There we go. All right. Got so it. I'll get the, I'll get the single. You get the, the fifteen. There you go. Uh, there we go. Someone someone uh, super chat. Uh, that guy uh, Zach. Right. If, if you guys are listening, I, I I could use a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. So just saying, if someone wants to do that, uh, we'll 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 have it on the five hundredth episode of Talking Hits. Mm-hmm. Right after our uh, Sam Adams Utopia. Yes, exactly. Well, we probably get that before this. <laughs> Although, I think this year we, we have a pretty good shot of it. I think we have to. I think we have to. I John, mean, if, I mean, you, if you find a bottle, just run it on your credit card and I'll pay you. I know. Like, I know. like just I, die. I, I trust you guys to do that. So Yeah, no. It... Hell, buy two. Like, I'll buy <laughs> one and then we'll split the other. Like, <laughs> Well, we're, we're going to drink from yours then. Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, whiskey tribe, maybe. Um, uh, there is. Uh, th- this one's really quick. What the hell? <laughs> so, well, someone put this in Discord, and I just, I, I could. If anyone's watched my channel and seen some of the most horrific faces I've ever made, it is always from a Martin House Brewery beer. And it's their pickle variants. Now, Martin House Breweries, you might have seen me do it. Again, if you watch the channel, pop some breweries, check it out. Me or Steve. The one thing we'll just say. They Link do is of... regrettably in the description. <laughs> they do a lot of food beers. Mm-hmm. I will state it tastes like the food, but I don't want that's, to drink that. That's not a compliment. Well, hang on, because you and Steve are always like, well, it has to taste exactly like the description, and I give it high props for that because it has to do that. You no, know, you're right. You're and totally so right. That's what they do. I mean, we had a we had a mustard and relish pickled beer, and it literally tasted like mustard and relish pickles. Uh, there wasn't a better description for it. And that's all they do on their description is like one sentence. They are coming out with uh, a hard seltzer this time. And well, I don't know how to do, do you want to do you want to say it out loud or do you just want me to put it on screen? Just put it on screen. Okay. Uh, Fort Worth Brewery, uh, which is Martin House Brewery, is going to be doing a hot dog water flavored seltzer. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they're having a festival. They're known for doing some pretty interesting festivals if you see in the article it says known for their sour pickle beer their mustard juice barbecue sauce buffalo wings buffalo wing sauce sour beers all of those by the way i did review a um uh uh what is it uh oh oh what is that movie with uh, elf an elf themed beer where they put spaghetti maple syrup and m&ms together all in the match. Tech Geek says, I freeze hot dog water into ice cubes for guests I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he can get this seltzer and just have them drink it. 
Uh, would you like some sparkling water with, with our dinner tonight? What's our dinner? So now, see, I kind of want this because I still saved some of this, the mustard pickle beer. And then if I could combine the two, I could make like mustard and hot dog. <laughs> can, can you make a, like... I, I think I could. I think I could. I So, you know, story. the the mustard pickle and hot dog, like, I think that's a video. Uh, if I, if I, 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 a, I think I, I think you get a hot dog with 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 mustard and relish on it, and you take a and, bite, and then and you I combine the two drinks. Is like, does this taste like? And then that? you graveyard yeah. it up, right? Yeah, totally. I think that's a video. So, uh, sorry, Mozamboni points out that I missed a super chat, and you are indeed correct. Uh, Mozamboni sends over $10. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, loved the last video. I started watching Craft Computing because I'm a major proponent of reducing e-waste. I volunteered my time and skill at a recycle plant two years ago to establish a process, and now they are full steam ahead. That is freaking awesome. Um, yeah, uh... I I am also against e-waste. Um, even when I've thrown hardware out and, and I've gotten rid of a lot of hardware over the years, I always hated hurting hardware. Like like we would we would go into different organizations and and clear out, you know, 10 years worth of e-waste. And I had colleagues who would like, you know, one arm monitors into a dumpster or you know recycling pallet or whatever else and I would I would always send them down gently because I don't like hurting hardware I don't like doing it um it still works I I know that it's not good anymore but it still works uh so yeah I don't know yeah. there, there's 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 some I kind of like like the old uh projection uh, big screen TVs, <laughs> the, the striped panels. Oh yeah, those. I, I will. I will. I will put a baseball bat through. Oh. <laughs> now CRT monitors. I I love those. Yeah, those are great. I still have a few. They they barely work, and there's so much dust on them. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I I do. I don't like. I I still that. have a 20 inch flat screen CRT with S video out in my garage. And my oh, wife goes, it. why the hell are you keeping that? I'm like, because damn I got, it. I, got, I, got, I have a 21 inch in my arcade. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I think Steve's got a 27 inch in his, and his is, his is not even a flat panel. It's the curve. Yeah. Yeah. His, his arcade is so he screwed it into he or L bracketed into that case. Yeah. It is so heavy. <laughs> Anyone ever lifted a 27 inch CRT? It is so like, heavy. Oh God. Right. So y you uh, guys don't even know. Like no, it is horrible. I mounted by myself, my 70 inch, 75 inch TV to my wall above my fireplace by myself. It's light as a feather. Can I repeat that for those who don't understand the context of 75 inch by myself? Yeah. Um, because holy crap, anything larger than a 27, you're not even lifting it by yourself. Um, John, what's the largest CRT you've ever dealt with? That, that 27. 27? 
Yeah. 43. What? No way. Um, Wait, TV or monitor? TV. Oh, okay. Well, I was going with monitor. Technic- well, technically, I mean- monitor, but they were some of the largest CRTs ever made. Mitsubishi made 43-inch CRTs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not rear projection. CRT. As a CRT, I had a, I have, I still have it. 32? I have a 36. Oh, 30. uh, That's a Sony. Yeah. 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 Sony, Sony Sony. made the second largest at 36. Mitsubishi made the largest at 43. Yes. Um, No, I, I still have it at my farm. Yeah. It doesn't work, but it's still there. Yeah. These weighed almost 400 pounds. They are, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like broke my back. I, I think if I lifted it now, but that was, I remember buying it and thinking like, cause I didn't have a big screen, but I was like, this is the biggest CRT I've ever seen. Right. And I got it for like a hundred bucks. And nice. I was like, this thing is awesome. Yeah. 36 inch. I'm like 17. You know, I was like, I got a fucking huge TV in my room. You know? yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> None of us caught it until I said it. Uh, I just zoned out. We were just kind of, I know. we were so, just vibing but, for a minute. <laughs> but it, I, no, well, I, I even built my own stand for it. Honestly, I that deserved it. So um, I even had my first uh, Codex DVD player hooked up to it. Um, I remember that I had Steve rip me so many movies. Yep. Did you, did you have the cut of Wolverine without all the visual effects? Yes, I did. Of course I did. Of course I did. I, I liked that movie better than the original, yeah. the, the, the final cut. Only real peer to peers know that. <laughs> oh, uh mozamboni sends over five bucks thank you very much i'll put it towards my medical bills uh crimea river i was a home theater installer many moons ago try hanging a 60 inch plasma 200 pounds above a fireplace to say nothing of the crts we moved yeah um so i had a i had a really good friend colleague co-worker um who uh at one point he asked me over to help him move a sofa and uh he had to move a sofa from, he, he had bought a new couch for his upstairs and we had to move it up his his stairwell and then literally like 180 degree corner and then into his den upstairs. Um, it didn't fit up the stairwell. It didn't fit around the 180 degree bend. It certainly didn't fit through the door. And at one point, uh, uh, it's like wedged like three different ways. And I said, I think it's stuck. And he goes, just push, man. And so I heaved toad and we like took a chunk out of the door frame and scuffed the drywall and everything. But we got it in the room. And uh, I said, to be clear, if you ever invite me over again and you ask me to move the sofa, I'm just going to bring a chainsaw and I'm going to throw it out the window Uh, because I'm not putting it back down those stairs. Um Downstairs in his main living room, he had a Sony 36-inch CRT mounted above his fireplace. Um, it was like custom built, uh, so it was like it was like a it was a room that faced the corner, and so in the corner there was a fireplace or like a, like a wood stove alcove beneath it, 
And then there was this massive platform that was built into the wall by the original home builders. Uh, and then up above it was a 36-inch TV. And it was a CRT that was lifted up there. And he lifted it up there with the help of like four people. Um, and uh, for years, he talked about replacing that with some kind of an LCD or a projector or something. And he, go, and he goes, you know, I've always thought if I needed to move that TV, it might be easier just to drywall it over and then hang whatever <laughs> I want in front of it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Of the, uh, was it? Moe's is say, yeah, I had a old plasma and it was like, I think it was a 46. Or yeah. My dad 46? had a 48 plasma. Yeah. yeah something 48, like 160, 40, 180 pounds. Yeah. The, yeah. the 1080i. Oh, um, no, no. We were 720i. Oh, yeah. No, but it had the handles on the back just to lift it. Oh, it yeah. Two people yeah. to lift this thing. And oh, man, it was so heavy. Uh, no one understands why in. TV mounts have the ratings that they do. Because it's like modern, LC like I have a 55 inch LCD mounted on my wall on a scissor arm. And I can pull this thing like three yeah. feet off the wall. It's mounted right in front of me. I did this myself. Um, that TV is like 35 pounds. Like it weighs almost nothing. Um, and I was able to like hold it up and reach around it and screw it into the bracket and get it all mounted up and leveled <laughs> and everything else by myself. Um, the reason that the bracket on the wall is rated to like 180 pounds is because someone may put a 42 inch plasma on that arm. Yep. Well, even, even modern or like I had a plasma, a 1080p, uh, it was a, another 46, but it was a bit more modern plasma. That thing still weighs like a hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, and that was about 10, 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh, you remember at the bar, the TV we streamed to. So, yeah, it was a 46-inch for the upstairs. Remember, yeah. we would... That one. That was a plasma, and that was yeah. about 75 pounds. I'm really glad I wasn't there when you mounted it. Oh, yeah. I, I hated mounting. I hated mounting all those TVs. Well, the, yeah. the other ones were all... Uh, they were all well, LCD. Yeah, all LCD. Well, the, the, the original, original menus... Actually, I'm looking at one right now. They were <laughs> Chang Hong. That's yeah. the brand name. I'm staring yeah. at it right now. It's yeah, they were the knockoff 4K displays. Yeah, they were the knockoff yeah. 4K. Okay. So I remember really... how excited you were when you found those because oh, you're like, like I got 70-inch 4K screens for like 350 bucks. And and I'm like, okay, what are you gonna? He's like, they're gonna be my menus, man. They're gonna be amazing. Well, I mean, you think menus, okay, who cares, right? You know, it's gonna be a single screen. So I bought three of them, and right. the third one was supposed to replace the plasma because I had that TV mounted in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. The problem was is their stupid on and off light is the light turns on when it's off to yeah. indicate the TV's off. And but now you have a light. And then you have a light on and you have a nightlight in the, at nighttime. You're like, what is yeah. going on? So I um, just put some electrical tape over it, but... Yeah, the, yeah, the Vizio that I have in my living room uh, has that. But in the settings menu, you can actually configure how that LED turns on. You can have it on when the TV's off, 
or vice versa or vice yeah. versa or vice versa. Like you could have it whatever you want. You could have it on when the TV's off, off when the TV's on. You could have it on when the TV's on, off when the TV's off. Or you can have it as a an indicator for the remote where when it receives a remote input, it will hold on for a second and then turn off. Yeah. So if you're trying to turn the TV on, you can just watch for that little white LED in the corner and it'll kick on or kick off. Yeah. So. Yeah, TVs. Oh, man. Speaking of, C- of TVs and ancient technology and... Yeah. Oh, God, this is almost 30 years ago. Uh, so... Uh, John, did you ever get into flash carts for this hurts classic consoles? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, I never did. Okay, I never did. Um, I've had a number over the years. Um, I've had I've had a couple EverDrives. Um, I've had um, I've got a. I've got a DS and a 3DS cartridge. I think a Skygate DS cartridge and another 3DS oh, cartridge. That's a no, that's no, a multi. I did, I did have a DS. I did have a DS cartridge. Okay. Yes, I did have a DS cartridge. Yeah. Yes, I, I still have it. Yeah. No, I, I still have mine. Yes, I still have. Yeah. I, I have one for the DS. I have one for the 3DS. But then later on, it became so easy to crack the 3DS with software that it's like screw yes. it. Um. So now it runs with an SD card. But yeah. No. Like I, I, I've had all of those. Um. There's been one that's been fairly difficult to uh, to get around some of the the hardware limitations of, and that is the Nintendo 64, because it used kind of the the best of new school and old school as far as copy protection goes. Yep. Um, Nintendo is very well known for putting in copy protection schemes based in hardware encryption into a lot of their consoles now. Any more than the original NES and Super, uh, you know, Super Nintendo have long been cracked, and you can find full documentation on those. But for the Nintendo 64, they used similar systems, but they were altered in very, very subtle ways, with like some random number generation and a couple other things that made them inherently difficult to get around. Um, well, sorry. Uh, some industrious modders have created a new flash cart for the Nintendo 64 based around a Raspberry Pi Pico. So Raspberry Pi's microcontroller to compete with like the Arduino Nano and a couple of the other like, you know, Teensies and ESP32s and and things like that. Pico's cool. I like the Pico. Yeah. Um, They have created a flash cart that will interface with a Nintendo 64 cartridge slot with a micro SD card slot for uh, for storage and will run natively as a Nintendo 64 cartridge. No oh, copy protection, cool. full ROM libraries. Just drop your ROM library on there, select it in the menu and go, hey, let's play this game today on well, native I, 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 I would be curious about this because I do know there are some N64 games that don't run too well on Pi structures. Um, majority of them still do. But, yeah, it's you know, it, it, 85%. Once we hit the Raspberry Pi 4, Nintendo 64 emulation had enough horsepower to drive to get there. 
Yeah, um, it was like 90%, 99%. But yeah, there was like uh, Nintendo 64 emulation's always been kind of a weird thing. It's a weird architecture. It was difficult to program for. Um, and it was one of the first instances of instead of using low-level hardware-level emulation, um, as we refer to emulation as these days, uh, where they started using high-level emulation, which is, well, you're just instructing the graphics card to do this. Let's skip the middleman in the hardware and just give DirectX native cards or Voodoo native cards the instructions you're trying to give them. Uh, and so we, we, end, we wound up with Ultra HLE in 1942 and a couple other high-level emulators, uh, which is why wine is an emulator. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, the doors kind of opened from there. Um, but, uh, but no, this is kind of going back to the basics of let's take some flashcard dumps or some cartridge dumps and load them onto an SD card and be able to fire any of them up as you want on native hardware. And yeah, no, that's I cool. That is very cool. I, I don't have a my N64 anymore, but um, yeah, the well, I guess I, it's still pretty cool. Uh, I, it's one of those things of like, like you said, once the Raspberry Pi 4 came along, I guess what's the point now though? <laughs> because as good as Nintendo 64 emulation has gotten, it's one of the systems that has never been able to fully recreate hardware true. level emulation and yes, like one-to-one -one emulation um like as far as the playstation we've been there forever uh as far as even like ps2 we're getting there with xbox 360 we're getting there with a couple different things um and and we've been there for a long long time with the 16-bit generation you know super nintendo sega genesis master system whatever yeah um but the nintendo 64 has kind of remained that one elusive one that it was so unique as far as the hardware goes, and it was so unique as far as the programming, the the actual 3D rendering engines, and everything else that were developed for it. Because um, yeah, you'll, you'll we can play... play the games in emulators, but they they haven't really been matched in emulation True. to oh, the I mean, native hardware. Exactly. I mean, how many times have you played Mario Three Mario Kart and and just been like? There's just something off. Ocarina of Time. Ocarina uh, of Time. Like, um, yeah, they're, they're like I said, they're getting close. Just something off. You're close. It's playable. You can play it, right? Or, or Golden. I mean, the biggest one is Golden. Everyone always talks about Golden. That yeah. is probably one of the hardest ones to emulate via just the, the software. That would be interesting to see if Golden I would work really well on this. Yeah. Oh, uh, basically. It will work perfectly on this because this is not emulation. This is yeah. taking the Raspberry Pi Pico as a microcontroller, plugging it into a Nintendo 64 cartridge slot, using a custom menu to pull a ROM off of an SD card, and then load the game as a native cartridge. And so it's one-to-one -one instructions. There, there's no emulation. There's no translation. There's nothing. Um... And that's that's the beauty of a lot of these these cartridge solutions like EverDrives and Stargates and things like that of the world is you play it on native hardware. And and I mean that's why 3DS uh why 3DS flash carts were so popular is because the system wasn't hackable 
And emulation was a nightmare. Nintendo yeah. 3DS is another one that's kind of an emulation nightmare. Um, yeah, but the, the hardware itself for the N64 is quite large. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could take that hardware and then put it into a box or shrink it down. I was curious to see how big it was, but then make your own multi-emulator in within one box mm -hmm. type of a deal. But it's quite large and would not be fun. Um, I mean, there there have been many, many projects over the years where people have like miniaturized N64 hardware. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very common uh, hardware mod to attempt, uh, at least as far as the miniaturization community goes, uh, which is a fairly small community. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, the Nintendo 64 is has certainly reached a, a maturity as far as emulation goes, where now... Almost everything is is completely playable. Um, you know, custom Robo sixty four is another one that was really weird. Um, there was, uh, gosh, Mission Impossible was one that was kind of like its own unique engine. Um, yeah, uh, Perfect Dark had a lot of really weird effects that that really didn't translate well until was... really like the last five or six years, where they finally got all the the screen banding stuff taken care of. Um, yeah, so, and Shadow again, even when you're talking, even when you're talking, playing, you know, classic games, there are still some things that you cannot replicate on native hardware, which is why yeah. a lot of speedrunners will use native hardware. Yeah, actual, yeah. Right. Oh, God, God, I, do you remember, uh, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire? Mm, mm-hmm. God, I remember that. I re I mm. remember that game, and then being like, "Oh, it's like all Solo ten levels." Yeah, and and then it introduced us with to that. Uh, what was the 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 bounty Dash the Rendar? Ash Rendar, but then what was the the bounty Dash the robot? Rendar? Uh, IG88 made his made his first oh, gaming I, appearance. I hated playing him. Oh man, yep. I kept dying. Yep. Uh, we also had to defeat Boba Fett and Slave One. Yep. Um, and then you ultimately, it, it was a weird story because it, you started off where you're getting orders from Luke as rogue leader in, yeah. in the it's battle the of, in the battle of Hoth and, uh, and whatnot. And you're helping with the Hoth escape. Um, you walk into the hangar as the Millennium Falcon is escaping, which is the last scene you see on Hoth as uh, in Empire Strikes Empire. Back. Yeah. Um, but then you have like your own side story. Where it's like, well, we also have a Carillion freighter, <laughs> you know, it's, which is a, a different model, right? <laughs> which flips in the center. <laughs> we're also going to fly through an asteroid field. Yeah. But we're uh, not going to uh, have to hide in the mouth of a giant monster because we don't know how to recreate that in game form now. But instead, we're going to go on a hunt for Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, now we're a bounty hunter now. <laughs> right. Um, and it it culminates in uh, scenes that are after uh, the Battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi, in which you kind of meet back up with Rogue Squadron as the... Uh, um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the ship now, but as his Corellian freighter, and you're taking part in the Battle of Xerxes Station. 
um, where you're like taking down a Sith Lord who's on a battle station um, or on a space station. It's kind of a cool game. Uh, and no, it tells it, a I, lot of interesting story. I, I remember it. And it was being like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. I remember it being hard, and but I also remember it being. Uh, oh, and you fight an ATST on foot. That's the first time that ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that that emulation also was extremely horrible. Yes. No, that was uh, always a very difficult game to run. I remember natively that thing ran choppy. If it, to, to me, it felt choppy. It it, yeah, it was one of those Nintendo sixty four early. It, it was a release title number one. Yeah, it, it was a November ninety six release title. Uh, it's one of the oh the Outrider. Thank you. Outrider is Dash Rendar ship. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a release title November ninety six. It was one of the first games that I had for the Nintendo sixty four, um, and yeah, it was. It was one of those like, hey, it's it, it in was, 3D, so I can forgive a lot of sins. But you're also running at 20 FPS. You realize that? Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like Tomb Raider one. You know, it's like you run and then you jump, and there's this hang time. But it's, oh, it's oh, just, the physics were. It's just, what? What is going on here? Dash Rendar <laughs> can do like 30 meter long jumps. Like, <laughs> like the dude was crazy. <laughs> thighs was, for days i know it was like oh my gosh look at that so uh that was that was one of my favorite n64 games growing up but i remember just being frustrated but always wanting to replay it it, uh, it had Ultra. this really interesting non-parabolic curve for gravity where you <laughs> jump and he goes like up and then he hovers oh, yeah. and then and then slowly accelerates as he comes down. But the thing is, you could jump straight up and then fall like five meters forward. <laughs> yeah, I re there was, I forget what it was. There was like a, a level where you had to jump across canyons. Oh, yeah. And then you just saw him. No, that was the hunt for Bubble Fett. That was, <laughs> yeah. <so> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so funny. There was the uh, sewer level too. Yes. The oh, sewer man. level where you had to fight the uh the... You had, we had speeders in that one too. Oh the swoop oh the swoop level. Holy yeah. crap. Yes. With the salmon max challenge point. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good game. I'm honestly it's a good it's it's a fun game. It's a really game. good if game. You, if you're into the whole Star Wars there stuff, is you, you can buy it. it on good old games. Did you know that? Ooh, on GOG. You, go. you can buy the PC version on GOG. Oh, I did not know they had totally a worth it. It's like ten bucks, and it, it's the it, PC it, native version, and it's great. I think it's on GOG. Hold on, let me let me let me verify. Because yeah, it, it was it was like that. You could you could transform it to first person to third person shooter. It was very odd. And yes, like it's on GOG. Six dollars, five ninety nine. Even better, someone super chat six bucks we'll buy it maybe we'll yeah. play it again. yeah i already bought it it's in my inventory so. <laughs> anyway last but Anyways. not least uh obi-wan setting records speaking of star wars setting records when you consider disney as a streaming platform and star wars uh straight to streaming service series releases and this is only the third one they've ever done it set the record for Star Wars live action streaming services. Uh, but it's no small, it wasn't like a 
Like, oh, it's more popular than Mandalorian. Um, it's a lot more popular than Mandalorian. Like, as much as there was a vocal outcry about, like, they ruined Obi-Wan. Look at look what they did to my boy. Um, first off, did you watch Obi-Wan? I did. I, I finished it. What did you think of it? Uh, beginning, good. Middle, not so good. Ending, great. Right. And that's kind of what I thought. Um, although the drop-off in the middle was not quite as harsh as a drop-off as I might have expected. Like... Well, I, I think that had to do with the, the, what was it, six episodes? It was only six episodes, which so I liked. I think, I think that's that's what was nice because it told a quick story, what it needed to do, uh, a lengthy movie, essentially. I mean, it was such a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. It was the same length as the Lord of the Rings movie. Right. So right. They, they told a complete good movie. I mean, they're the only, I guess, there were visual aspects I didn't like. Hayden Christensen being like a 40 year old Padawan <laughs> or whatever his name is. He looked uh, fine in, ah. in, in the, in, in the fade backs, in the, in the, there, there was that one scene where it was supposed to take place during the clone wars where he had the short buzz haircut. He looked fine. No, you could totally he looked see the fine. wrinkles. You I, can see the I don't wrinkles. care. I don't care. Uh, I, but again, like I said, visual, not storytelling, visual. Design. And 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 if and if we're judging a prequel story based on storytelling, yeah. As, as far as storytelling, it was actually once, really good. Once you got to the end, that was a thing. I think. Wait, wait, wait! Opinion, Leia never met Obi Wan. Blah blah blah. No, no, you helped, you because, served because, my father in the Clone Wars. They, no, she said yeah, that's exactly. canon. Exactly. The so, people who micromanage all of this bull. So that, just that enjoy was, the ride for God's sakes. It was such a good six hours of television. That was my problem early on was because it was episodic. And then you had to wait that week. And it was like, Oh, that one thing I complained, but then I also stated in my complaints, I hope they tie it back somehow. So it was and like, did okay. They? And, yes, and they I, did. I feel they did on yeah. the very last episode. Yeah. I feel they tied everything back because they, it's not just, storytelling there was the script there are certain lines you have to say mm -hmm. that then tie into the new hope he said it the thing sense. he said the thing so it works okay that i have acceptance of it <laughs> i mean that was fine but that was funny you know um the only apparently the only he hates that because because of prequel memes on reddit people will walk up to him on the street and go say, say hello there and he hates saying it and uh, uh and they they intentionally didn't make him say it until the very last line in the in the series where it's like would you like to meet him and uh and luke goes hi oh, yeah. and he goes hello there <laughs> and it's great oh, yeah. and then that's the end <laughs> that was great uh, i loved that no, that was fine. I like that. Uh, the only, the only, I guess, visual cue is like, I guess I would have liked to see. You know what I would have like the distress of more of the white hair going on because uh, aging a little bit. Well, more. this is only ten years later. Nine, nine years, but yeah. So, but I mean, to go from Ian McGregor to what was the original actor's age or name? Obi Wan. I don't remember his name. Yeah, Ewan McGregor to. Oh God! Exactly. That's a. Uh... Anyway, the actual anyway, story I, here um, anyway, is. I like the story. Right. So. 
is that for as many vocal critics as there were on the Reddit verse, on on the Twitter scope, on on the interwebs, um, it drew numbers and it drew very good numbers, and uh, and I'm actually really happy about this because I personally loved it as as a miniseries, and this is kind of the thing that we've been waiting for Star Wars to get is some good storytelling content again that actually has a beginning, middle, end, and direction and an overall feel and vibe that's not just like Rian Johnson going, well, screw everything that happened in episode seven. I don't like that story. I'm going to tell my own story. And then I'm giving it back to the other guy and him going, well, screw what they did well, in episode eight. I'm going to, I'm going to go back yeah, to, that was, I'm going to go bad. back to just pure fan service and, and whatnot. This was great. Um, but uh, the Mandalorian Season two finale drew 1.1 million viewers in the first five days, which is pretty good. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett uh, season finale uh, drew 1.5 million viewers in the first five days, which is also really good, um, especially for the number of complaints there were about the Book of Boba Fett and like, well, two episodes were just the Mandalorian. Well, yeah. You didn't think they'd be connected, yeah. um, and I like the, I like and Obi Wan Kenobi in the season finale, one point eight million viewers over five days. Yeah, no, I mean, I I really as far as all the episodes, I really liked the last episode the best, Sir uh, Alec Guinness. Alex, there you go. Thank you, Sir uh, Alec thank Guinness. You Skull, sir, knighted. Sorry, um, that's I... that's my only title I'm missing. Um, I need to get to the queen quick. Um, I need to be sir. I, I own property. I could knight you. <laughs> I mean, that's all it takes, right? <laughs> I guess. I mean, technically, can I knight myself? I can my wife knight me, <laughs> or can I knight people? Um, well, you are a lord. I am a lord already, so I. Own, you're you're I own more a nobleman, not necessarily. I I don't know what power you would actually have vested in you. That's interesting, but I am a landowner here. You're 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 a lord where you have title, uh, but but you have the title because you own the land. I don't know what power that actually grants you. I think it grants you privilege, but not but not power. I, I'm like ten thousandths in line for the throne, Jeff. Right. Shut up. Right. Don't I have power. Um <laughs> unlimited power. Um no I back to back to Star Wars. But no I I, I liked for the most part again there are again small little snippets that yes on reddit people can ding and and knock off you know um as a whole but though as a whole i think even the whole star wars universe on tv for the series has been a success i've enjoyed that more yes. than the movies so I, um, I I just wholly hope they don't do what they did with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just everything's cookie cutter crap now. But uh, this is this is very reminiscent of old school original arc one of Marvel. I really like the way they're doing the technology of shooting it. 
like what they started with the Mandalorian, and they're using those big LCD um, panels that use Unreal. Oh yeah, virtual and virtual it, cinematography. Oh virtual god, cin and it's making the sets just mm. fantastic mm. looking. I I'm just, looking at implementing some VRC in yeah. my next studio build. Believe it or I not. Mean, it, it's it's fantastic technology. I love it, and they are using it perfectly. Yeah. Um, way better than any of the prequel. I mean, I think any further Star Wars movies needs to be shot in these areas and not green screen. Oh, totally. I I so. think movies in general need to move this direction because it takes out. There's there's this awesome and and weird relationship between practical effects and cinematography where doing something practically will always result in what looks like a better image because and better acting because the thing that's happening is actually happening. I can happening. go with it. I can feel it, right. touch it. Right, right, exactly. I can feel it, touch it, react to it, etc. Um and actually, uh I forget when they did this, but uh let me let me look it up really quick. Um uh gosh what is the name of that movie uh adam savage is tested oh just a couple just this last week uh they did a build with corridor crew uh visual effects house youtubers oh, yeah. um there's a movie called chinatown uh from 1974 starring yeah. jack uh, uh jack nicholson uh in which uh, you're kind of nosy. You know what happens to nosy guys? They lose their noses. And he puts a switchblade into Jack Nicholson's nose and then cuts him. And then, like, rips the side of his nose out with a switchblade. And uh, they, they approached this from a modern filmmaker's perspective of time and budget and authenticity. And so Adam Savage built a practical prop in about two and a half hours and they were able to take the switchblade, put it into Adam's nose, and then cut the side of his nose off with full blood effects and everything else. And then you get full reactions from ev from everyone on set. Um, and then they also tried to do the same effect digitally, uh, where they took a snub nose uh, or half shaft uh, switchblade and put it into Adam's nose and then cut it and the, did all the blood effects and everything else, including the tip of the switchblade and everything uh, in digital. Yeah. And uh, they did it in roughly the same timeline and you can judge based on the, the two, yeah, yeah. which is the better effect. And I'll say, even though there are flaws, uh, yeah, Hops and Brews just posted the, uh, the VFX and I'll post it to the the YouTube, so you guys can be the the judge, because um, I can post links and no one else can. Um, but uh, it's a fantastic representation of digital versus practical, and time is money, and everything else. Um, yeah, skull, suck it. I'm faster than you. Um, not that I don't have a 30 second head start here on the live show. Uh, uh -huh. there <laughs> but, we go. I could post too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. If you're curious about the link, it's in chat right now. Um, 
But go take a look at this because it's really interesting. Um, uh, Again, practical versus digital versus VFX. And, uh, And the effects that they get in practical is freaking amazing. Um, and you, you can just tell, and, and even just the reaction, oh, and yeah. even if, you know, it, it's, it's different, but, uh, with this new panel technology, yeah, it's kind it's kind of the you best can, of both worlds. You can take set design and make it practical because now the actors can react to things on the set or see the environment around them. And you get all of the practical lighting as far as reflections and yes. and actual light sources emitting you're for the actors. Seeing, yeah, you're basically seeing the green screen effect afterwards, almost, or at least the your surroundings. Yeah. And what's going to be surrounded. So, so that that speeder, that stars, you know, the ship or rock or something that's being thrown at you, where they're now, if it's just a green screen, they're just going to yell out "duck," you know, and you duck. Yeah. Now the person could be like, "I'm visually seeing it," and then I can start reacting in a time frame because I can see it coming at me at a particular speed. Right. Um, you know, or I can see an actor in the distance. So I will go over there. I see the stormtroopers in, you know, the far distance or actors. I can react to that lightning hit. I will react to that yeah. because, and then the nice part too, is that light from the screen already hits the actor's face too. Yeah. You don't have and, to do correction in post yeah. for, for green halos or, uh, or reflections on helmets or any like it takes care of it because you're literally shooting in that scene. Yeah. And it, it makes it's sense. Really, it's great. It's cool technology. If anyone wants to check out that technology, yeah. you, you need a Disney plus or whatever is subscription, but the behind the scenes of, uh, of Mandalorian. Mandalorian season one. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's so um, good. I, I was so inspired by that. Like I said, I'm considering when I build my new studio, mounting a couple projectors and building like a faux studio where I can put whatever background I want behind me. And, and being, uh, being Linus's studio all the time. Like, right. What? Right. <laughs> hey, look, I'm on the set of short circuit. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Right. Um, or just change the background to whatever's relevant. Like, like it's insanely powerful for even just like talking heads videos where it's like, I'm going to talk at the camera for six minutes and uh and i want something relevant to be behind me yeah and i and there's no post work to it no it's like it's fantastic that that's the best part yeah it's seamless essentially so no very cool um you want to do just quick q a for like 10 minutes uh or or we can call it i I was about to call it my my voice is like yeah, I, I kind of heard it, didn't know. But you know, I'll <laughs> tell you what, if anyone's interested in a Q&A, you got to go join the Super Secret After Show because yes. that might be there. Uh, that's going to be in the description, the link's there. It's a minimum of a dollar. You can always donate more. Uh, it's per video. So every video Jeff posts, check that out. Um, and then you'll get some early Super Secret stuff too. Uh, but the Discord is also a very awesome Discord. It's amazing. There's more than just tech stuff. There's beer news. There's uh, food. There's uh, movies, cars. music, cars, uh, trades, values, all of this stuff. There's tutorial stuff. One of the best discords you will ever get into. And again, if you've made it this bar far, listening into none. bar, yeah. But if you made it this far into the um, just podcast form or the video, remember next week, July sixth episode is going to be at 6 p.m 
West Coast time. West so Coast, remember Best Coast. That. West Coast, Best Coast. So we're we're trying to give you the best coast on the East Coast. That's why we're doing this. We're bringing a little West you know. Coast to the East Coast. That's what we're doing. So just remind you guys. Right. In the summer, you have no excuse. It's still daylight at 9 p.m. Like, yeah. like you can stay up and watch. So, but yeah, check that out. Oh, also, guys, <laughs> go check out Tech Geek. Uh, he's doing a hundred days of Homeland. It's been pretty awesome. Uh, Techno Techno Tim doing uh, Techno started Tim, the hundred days oh, of that Home was Lab. Tech Geek, sorry, yeah, sorry, Tech Geek, but yep. no, Techno Tim. That that was pretty awesome. I, I've enjoyed uh, watching some of it. Yeah. Checking out some of his posts. Uh, he... Tech Geek uh, says our Discord might rank second, but only because he moderates our home lab. <laughs> oh, Fair enough, but fight me. <laughs> anyway, and we we got sixty nine likes. No one like anything else. <laughs> That's right. Stop it there. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching episode 241 here on Talking Heads. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can chat with myself, John, Rest, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads. Uh, and hopefully uh, next week I will have my voice back. Uh, but until then, keep it right here. And as always, we'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone. See you guys. Cheers.